0: Together, for those of you who are guests tonight, if you have uh, any of your children are welcome to stay throughout the entirety of worship, but through K through fifth grade, we have a special experience that is tailored to them that hopefully will speak the gospel to them uh, in a very real way. Uh, And so if uh, you have those young people and they would like to go, uh, they can follow Miss Whitney back there. She's our director of children's experience, uh, and she will lead them back to that experience uh, just in the adjacent part of the room. We also have nursery care available for any children younger than that. But again, all children are welcome to stay uh, during the entirety of service. So while the children transition, um, I, I'm not sure if I sent Mike up there. Do did did, did you guys have the Lord's Prayer up there? Let's uh, transition as we pray together a, a prayer that Jesus Christ taught us. That's why we pray this. It's in the Bible. Uh, Jesus taught us this. Uh, We we all need ways to learn how to pray, and and praying is sometimes very hard for us. So Jesus taught us this prayer, and we've been praying it here. uh, As we started our Crazy Love uh, series, we transitioned back to praying the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray this prayer together, but let's take uh, the time it deserves and and the thought it deserves as we pray it. Sometimes we just power through it, uh, those of us who are Christ followers and have been Christ followers for a long time. So let's as we, as, as we pray this together, let's think about what we're saying uh, and just take the time and, and just the honor that it deserves as we just enter the throne room of God and we stand before him and we pray this prayer. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen we end and we end many of our prayers with amen uh... here's the the hundred dollar question although you won't get any money if you answer it correctly i don't have hundred dollars what's amen mean So be it, let it be, yes, so be it, that's a good good way to say it. When we pray that, we end with amen because we want that to come into our life. So be careful if if you're praying amen and that's not your desire. uh, Be very careful what what you're praying for because uh, we just prayed that that would come true, that God's will would be done in our lives. Uh, So think about that as we pray. Let's just have a time of, of just quiet reflection here as we start our teaching time and we start digging into God's Word. Yeah, yeah. So we're confirming that. Yeah, that's right. It's great, Todd. Let us pray. Lord, open us now to your word, to the grace it offers us, to the love that you share through these passages, most of all through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us become alive in new life that we can just be new people every day dead in you, but raised in you. Open our hearts. Free our minds. Let us stand in your presence. Send your spirit upon us now. Amen. Well, welcome again to New Life. Uh, for those who are joining uh, the podcast now, we uh, do a podcast every week. Uh, I just want to welcome all of them as well. Uh, and we are in the fourth, sun, or fourth Saturday of Lent and the fourth Saturday of our crazy love series and and that's based on a book by Francis Chan. If you're a guest tonight, a great opportunity go pick that book up. I even have an actual have a couple copies. Um, You can get them from me. Uh, Just a wonderful wonderful resource if you're looking to grow deeper in Christ. So as we start I need to do a little recap because a lot of you haven't been here for the last three weeks Uh, and so if I just go into uh, the I guess we're really in chapter seven of the book uh, you won't know what we're talking about. So let's stop, and for those of you who have been here, I apologize, but I think it's good to uh, have some repetition in our lives, isn't it? So let's catch up here. We worship an awesome God. Amen? The God that we worship, we don't sometimes stop and think about it, but that God, the God we worship, created 350 billion galaxies. Not not planets, not stars, galaxies. If this entire room represented the universe, all right? This entire room, this gymnasium, if this was the entire known universe, our entire galaxy, the Milky Way, would not even be represented on my finger. If it it laid there on my finger, you wouldn't see it. That's a big God. God. And what are we compared to that big God? I, I just said, okay, if the, if, the, if the entire universe was this room, you couldn't see our galaxy with your naked eye. And if you can't see our galaxy, could you see Earth? And if you can't see Earth, can you see Hilltop Ministry Center? Which is the name of the building, right? And if you can't see Hilltop Ministry Center, can you see Mark? Charlie? Joyce? Bob? No. That's a big God. There's a picture up there that uh, I've just been using. We read, um, in our small group, we we read from Revelations, and that's a scary book. But John, the, the prophet who wrote that book, who wrote that letter, he has this image of God. This, this vision of God, in, and it's not just God walking with us uh, in Jesus, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but he actually ascends in his vision to the throne room of God in heaven. And he talks about God like this, and this, this verse has just been in my head, in my meditation, in my prayer, in my devotional. I, I've used it, I've preached on it now a couple times when I'm not here because sometimes I preach other places too. Just in the street, at Starbucks, wherever, you know, there are people. <laughs> you gotta, You got to do it wherever you can. And he, and he says, And seated on the throne was an image of light that was jasper and carnelian, that was precious gems. And behind the throne was a rainbow that looked like emeralds. I, I had no way to wrap that around my head. What the heck does a rainbow that looked like emeralds? So, so that's kind of what that looks like because <laughs> I Googled and, and the Google helped me. And seated on either side of the throne are the twelve, uh, or, or the 24 elders, the 12 disciples, the 12 tribes of Israel. And then before the throne are these creatures, and he describes these creatures. They have eyes all over. They have eyes inside and outside. One of them is in the shape of a lion. One of them is in the shape of an ox. One of them is in the shape of a human. And one of them is in the shape of an eagle. And they are constantly singing God's praises. And so I've been thinking every day, I, I have this... Uh, this cut out, and it's in my devotional every morning. And before I stop, I just, before I pray, sometimes I just, oh, I just want to get it over. I just, I just want to get it done so I can get on the business of the day. But before I pray now in the last couple weeks, I just looked at that image and said, wow, when I pray, when, when I'm having my time in the morning, I am standing before that. I am in the presence of that big, big God. Tonight, you're not in a building. You're not seated in, in comfy seats. You're not standing in a gymnasium or seated in a gymnasium. You, whether you like it or not, are standing in the presence of that crazy, shiny God and, and all the weird other things that are around there. Wow. I don't know about you, but that just, just blows my mind. And then, I, then I, I think about it and I'm like, the fact that I have a mind that can be blown is crazy. God created me with that. He created me with the ability to have a mind that can just be blown by his awesomeness. That's a big God. So I want you to understand that huge, big, super-duper God, creator of everything, creator of you and me. But I want you to take away, if you don't pay any attention to the rest of the sermon, I want you to take away this one thing. That same God, the big scary God with the light and the rainbow of emeralds, and again, I don't really know what that looks like, but that artist made it like that and that looks pretty cool to me. And the scary monsters that are sitting up there and and the old people and, and all those things. That big God loves you. He loves you. He loves me. And he doesn't just do that from afar. He, he does that in a very real way. He did that through becoming one of us. We're going to talk a lot about that tonight. Amen. Yeah. And that God became one of us, and he lived like us. He became so small like us, and he died for us. And he rose again for us, for you, for me, for everyone. That's crazy love. We're going to watch a video now that I hope puts it in perspective, and I just want you to sit in that and bask in that crazy love. Anybody here ever looked for love in things? Ever looked for love in people? There are some young people, there are a lot of young people here tonight and I remember being young and desperate to be in love. Just wanted to be in love. And I looked for that love. I looked for it at, uh, in dating, I looked for it in music and, and movies and art and I looked for it at clubs and bars. and I looked for it in other things, in alcohol, pornography, sex. And I didn't find it in any of those things until I found it in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that big God becoming small and loving you and me. Last week we recognized that we're all faced with one choice. We can... Live life without thinking much about God. And we think about that like serving God our leftovers. Anybody here really like eating leftovers? Maybe like Thanksgiving leftovers, but most of the time our leftovers don't make it very long. we're We're not leftover people. We don't want to serve our leftovers to God. So what we do want to do is desperately seek God. God's been desperately seeking you since you were born. He had a plan for you. He has a love for you. And so we want to just reach out to that. And we talked about just running towards Christ, full speed ahead, arms open, just like two crazy lovers on a beach in a a movie scene, just running slow motion towards each other. That's what we need to be when we're moving in our relationship with God. So I hope you've made that choice. If you haven't, I hope you do. And we'd love to just work with you and be with you and lead you to that new life because it's awesome. Because that's where love really is. It's in Jesus Christ. But even if you have, if you've made that choice, you know, I, I made a choice to follow Christ when I was 20 years old, and not everything fell into place. It took a lot of time, and it's still taking a lot of time. I still have to get up every morning and decide to do that. And so tonight what we're going to talk about is how we can start changing our life and what that life looks like. But before anything, we have to talk about faith. And we have to talk about heroes of faith and heroes of the Bible. Got a great image. Anybody uh, grow up watching the Justice League? I don't know exactly, because I always watch in reruns, so I don't know how old you would need to be. Superman, Batman, you know, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, I don't know why he was there, but... (laughs) They would always go, meanwhile, in the Hall of Justice... And there was, there's a, great, there's a great, scripture, um, great scripture in Hebrews. It's actually the entire 11th chapter of Hebrews. And we call it the Hall of Heroes because it just gives us kind of a, a brief synopsis of all the heroes in the Bible, heroes of faith. And just like we want to see our next American Idol and the winner of The Voice and the biggest loser and name your hero... Just as we look up to people, we look up to sports figures and celebrities, we just have this human urge, I guess, to idolize people, to look up to other people and say, wow, I can, I can really just follow them. Uh, I remember growing up, I just idolized my brother. I still do. Uh, I actually went to college. Now, you know, as a, as a young person, my brother's 11 years older than me, as a young child, you can imagine, I idolized my brother. I followed him around. I wanted to be uh, just with him all the time, just wanted to be in his presence. And, uh, but even as a, as a young adult, uh, when I went off to college, I actually declared the same majors that he did. That's how, that's how much I idolized him. Now, though that was not the right choice in my life, but it all worked out, thankfully. So we're going to look up and uh, we're going to look at some of these heroes of the Bible. Some of these uh, people that just seem bigger than life. And we're going to talk about these big heroes. These heroes of faith, heroes of the Bible. Because sometimes when you read these stories and you say, wow, man, Moses parted the Red Sea, that's crazy. I don't have that faith. Moses must have been something else. He must have been superhuman. He must have had a gift that I don't have. But I'm going to show you here in the next a while... I don't know how long it will be. That these heroes of the Bible were not only as flawed as you and me, they were more so. But they had faith and were able to do crazy things. All right, let's go straight, straight into the Hall of Heroes. Let's start with Noah. Everybody know Noah? I'll catch you up if you don't know who Noah is. He, he comes from early, early in the Bible, in Genesis. Noah had this crazy love for God. And things in the world, if you remember the story or if you've never heard it, things were not going so well in the world. In terms of, there, there wasn't a lot of folks who were following God. There was Noah and his family. They were really the only ones who were like, yes, Lord, we'll, we'll do what you want. Everybody else was doing their own thing and, and some pretty weird things. But Noah loved God. And God told him this one day. Noah's out, you know, doing what people did 4,000 years ago. I don't know. 6,000 years ago. God said, Noah, build a boat on dry land. And, like there needed to be an and to that, and collect two of every animal, male and female, and bring them on the boat. Well, Noah had to have some friends. He probably lived in a small town. What do you think they said? Noah, you're crazy. Why are you building a boat first on dry land, this huge mammoth ark? You're not going to be able to get it to water. We're nowhere near water. You would need those two elephants that you got plus all the other elephants just to pull the boat to water. And now you're gathering all of these animals and you're going to bring them on the boat? And the tigers are going to eat the lambs and and the birds are going to be eaten by something else. I mean, they are cats on the boat. If you know anything about cats and birds, they, they do not mix. And they're probably dogs and they're chasing the cats and, you know, it's a mess. But God said to Noah, this is what I want you to do. And Noah said, yes, Lord. Noah said, this is what I will do. And so Noah built a boat. Noah built a boat and that boat was big and he gathered all the animals and you can debate on which animals he didn't get or, or which ones he did but he got all the animals on the boat it's a big boat and God sent rain and the rains flooded the entire world and the boat was the salvation of Noah and his family and you can imagine 40 days and 40 nights is which the the rain left and there and there was some additional time on that Noah is stuck with his family and all of these animals on this stinky boat out in the middle of nowhere. Noah had faith. And God sent them to dry land, and the boat crashed on dry land. And God sent a rainbow. Oh, man, awesome, right? God sent that rainbow and said, Noah, this is a sign that I will never destroy the world again through water. And you know what Noah did? A man of faith, a man who had the faith to build a giant boat and get all those animals on it? Noah got drunk, took off all his clothes, and passed out. That, it's, I'm not, that, that may have been the appropriate response to spending 40 days on a giant boat with all those animals, but I don't think that's how God wanted Noah to honor him. That wasn't God's best plan for Noah. But Noah was human, just like you and me he had amazing faith, but he was human. Now let's go to Moses. 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 You know the story of Moses. He is somebody you can look up to. That's, that's what he actually looked like, having on good authority. Right after that, he went to the planet of the apes, but that's a diff- that's not in this this version of the that's King James, I think. Um, you'll have to look though. So so Moses, this awesome figure, he storms into The pharaoh, the the meanest, most powerful Egyptian in the the world, one of the meanest kings in the world, he storms into that pharaoh's palace, and what does he say? Some of you people have seen the movie, right? Let my people go! Moses did that ten times. God sent ten plagues, and I'm not going to tell you all what they are, but you can look them up in the Bible. I think uh, this morning we had three or four of them. I don't know. It's pretty nasty this morning. Not only that, so, so Noah just fights the Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no way, I don't care about you. Plagues come, does it again, does it again. Eventually, Pharaoh says, get out of here. No, uh, Moses takes his people. He leads them out of Egypt. The Pharaoh says, no, wait, no, I'm getting them. And he chases after them with his entire army. Noah separates The Red Sea, right? Water just standing up on on end there. The entire nation of Israel walks through that water. Pharaoh's given chase. The water crashes down. Israel's safe. Egypt's defeated. A pillar of cloud guides them by day. A pillar of fire guides them by night. Remember, this is Moses who went up to the mountain, who spoke to God, who got the ten commandments, and then God actually told him everything else, and, and, and the ancestors of our faith and the Jewish people believe that, Mo, or, or knows it. Moses, I've got to make sure I'm talking about the right person, Moses wrote the actual first five books of the Bible. Moses wrote those. So he was a busy guy. Moses made the Ark of the Covenant, not the big boat, but the golden box. Yeah, the face-melting box, yeah. So you're all caught up on me here? Okay. That box. That was the kind of crazy things that Moses did because Moses had a great and awesome faith. But here's something about Moses you maybe didn't know. He was a murderer and a coward. Moses wasn't a shepherd boy. He didn't grow up in slavery. He grew up in the palace of the Pharaoh. He was a prince of Egypt. And one day he got angry and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and instead of saying to his or grandfather, the pharaoh, granddad, this isn't right. We can't beat people like this. He killed the Egyptian. And instead of facing his crime, he fled into the wilderness. And God called him through a burning bush, which was pretty scary. And God said, you're going to go and you're going to actually go talk to your half-brother or, or adopted brother, which was the current pharaoh. So when Moses said, let my people go, he's not talking to some scary king. He's talking to his brother that he grew up with. But Moses said, I I can't do it. I can't speak well. I have a stutter. I just, I'm not a very intimidating person. Moses needed the help of his real, his biological brother Aaron. Moses was a great man, just awesome man. Had an amazing faith, but he was human. He committed worse crimes than most of us in this room. murder. Let's go to Rahab. love Rahab. Here's a lady. She lived in Jericho. Remember that big walled city? This was during the time that Joshua was leading the people into the promised land. And Rahab wasn't Jewish. But she had faith in one God. And so when spies from the Jewish camp, the Israelite camp, came into Jericho, Rahab hid them. She took her own life on the line to help the Israelite people conquer her city. This small group of people, she helped them because she believed that they were messengers, that they were the people of God. She had a crazy faith to do that. Then those walls came tumbling down. You know the story? They, they walked around that big, big walled city and those walls just fell down. And God saved Rahab. Rahab wasn't perfect. Rahab was an outsider. She wasn't Jewish. She may have worshipped other gods. We don't know. She may have had idols in her apartment in the city. Worst of all, she was a prostitute. God saved us all. But we're getting to that. Next, we have King David. This would be Rahab's great-grandson. Great Something like that. That's a, I don't know if you've ever been to Italy, but that's a Michelangelo's David, just an amazing statue that actually depicts King David. This is the boy, young David, who was a shepherd out in the fields, and he was called to defend his people Israel. And he came up against the giant Goliath, and with a sling and a rock, he felled this little boy he felled this giant, Goliath. He had a great faith that God would save him. He would grow up to be a great king and he would unite the tribes of Israel. He would return the Ark of Co- the Covenant that, that was the sitting place, the seat of God. He would return that to Jerusalem because it had been stolen by the Philistines. God even describes him. In, in the Bible, God actually says, David, you are a man after my own heart. Wow. Wow. Certainly David was this kind of flawless hero we could look up to. Certainly David, the writer of the Psalms, the man who just proclaimed proclaimed God as Lord every day. Certainly he was a hero we could look up to. Certainly he was somebody better than you and me. David was an adulterer and a murderer and, and generally unpleasant at some times. He was a terrible husband. And most of his children, I'll be for one, grew up to be awful and evil human beings. Wasn't a very good parent. Well, not all of them, because now we're going to go on to Solomon. Solomon turned out all right. David's son would grow up to be a great king, one of the greatest, maybe you could say the greatest king. He had wisdom. He he prayed to God, give me wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. We believe that he's author of Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs. Wisdom in the Apocrypha. God let Solomon build the temple, the largest at the time, the largest structure on the earth. A huge, massive palace. If you Google uh, the temple, man, and just see what it may have looked like, adorned with silver and bronze and gold everywhere. This massive structure that, you know, we, we refer to church as the house of God. That's where that came from because we believed that was God's house. And the Jewish people believe God sat there on the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. Solomon built that. He was a great man. Mm. But Solomon had some problems too. He loved God, yes, but his love of women would get him in trouble. The Bible said he had hundreds of wives and hundreds of concubines. The Bible says he had about a thousand relationships. That's more than Gene Simmons, I think. A thousand wives and concubines. Well, that wasn't necessarily the problem. That didn't make God upset. But when he started worshiping their gods, well, that didn't work out so well for him. Solomon was a great man, a wise man, a wonderful man, but he was human, just like you and me. I don't have a picture for this next one, but it's the martyrs because apparently there was a horror movie by the name Martyrs recently, and so all the Google images were of that. But here are what martyrs are. Martyrs were men and women in the early years of the church, the first few hundred years of the church, who said, I believe in Jesus Christ, and because of it they were killed. And there have been martyrs to this day. There are martyrs in Africa and in India and in Asia. There are, there are martyrs here in the United States, people who believe in Jesus Christ, who say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and are killed because of it. Here's what the author of Hebrews says about these men and women. Others experienced public shame by being taunted and whipped. They were even put in chains and in prison. They were stoned to death. They were cut in two, and they died by being murdered with swords. They wandered around the deserts, the mountains, they hid in caves and holes in the ground. All these people didn't receive what was promised, though they were given approval for their faith. They died because of their love of God. They weren't big, they weren't superhuman. They were just like you and me. Let's go to Abraham. Father Abraham, he had many sons. You are one of them, me too. He was the father of the nation of Israel. Father of Isaac, the father of Judah. Jacob, excuse me. Jacob's Judah's father. There's a lot of J words in there. Abraham had an amazing faith. God called out to Abraham and said, Follow me. Abraham packed up all his stuff, he left home, and he followed God out into the wilderness. Armies attacked him, and he had faith that God would protect him. At 99 years old, God said to him, You will be the father of many nations, of a great nation. And Abraham laughed and said, Well, I'm 99 and my wife is a little younger, so I don't see that that's going to happen. But Sarah gave birth to their son Isaac. And then one day, when Isaac was a young man, God said, Abraham, you know that son I gave you? Take him up to a mountain, tie him to a rock, and kill him. For me. Abraham said, yes, Lord. He had great faith. And Abraham took a knife, as he would sacrifice an animal, we don't do that anymore, but You can imagine. And he took this big knife and he started to plunge it down into Isaac's chest. Not a moment of thought. Not not a fear in his mind. But God said, stop. Stop. Don't kill your son. Did Abraham blindly follow what God said? No. Abraham had faith. He had faith that God made a promise to him and God would keep his end of the bargain. Abraham believed that even if he killed his son, God could raise him from the dead. Abraham knew of God's power of resurrection, something his ancestors wouldn't realize for thousands of years. But Abraham at times was a coward. At times he questioned, he actually uh, fights with God. It's great in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. He actually argues with God. He was a person just like you and me. All of these heroes, those people who had incredible faith, incredible love of God, they were just like you. They were just like me. They all had pasts. They all made mistakes, some of them really, really big mistakes. But they all made a choice to follow God. Some of them, that meant giving up their entire lives. Of course, there is no greater example, no person who personifies the heroes of faith more than Jesus Christ. Paul explains it like this in his letter to the church in Philippi. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names, so that the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, everyone on earth, and under the earth, might bow at every tongue, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. comes from Philippians. Following Jesus means loving God, loving others, and following Jesus' example. It may seem impossible to imitate christ that is exactly what we are called to do as we transition to uh, the next part of the sermon I, I i just have another video that i think will speak well about how we might start to imitate what jesus did for us
1: what are some things that you love do you love your mom do you love your children Do you love your friends? This is pretty standard love stuff, right? Love is a word that truly describes how we feel about our relationships. Or is it? Aren't there some other things that we love as well? Don't some of us love sports? Don't some of us love music? Don't some of us love hamburgers? Why is it that the word we use to describe our relationships is the same word we use when we talk about our favorite restaurant? The word love can be loaded at times. But there is a difference, right? I mean, the way that we feel about our spouse is different than the way that we feel about our favorite flavor of ice cream. But what makes them different? Well, the difference between those two types of love can best be seen through our actions. That's right, how we treat the people in our lives says the most about how much we love them. And when you look at love from that perspective, it makes Jesus' sacrifice on the cross all that much more meaningful. His actions display the ultimate love. God shows actions, not just words, to show us His love. So in your own relationship, remember that I love you isn't just something that we say. Ultimately, it's something that we do.
0: We're talking about how we can respond to God's awesome and crazy love. Jesus lived his life by giving of himself. Ultimately, he gave his life. He gave his life away completely on the cross. He reminds us that loving others means loving God and giving of ourselves. And that is an act of love. He even says, what you do, not, or what you do to the least of these, you do to me. Or what you do not do to the least of these, you will not do to me. He means that when we ignore a person in need, we're ignoring Jesus. When we love someone, we're loving Jesus. We were at uh, uh, at a conference today, Iron Sharpens Iron, and uh, we were talking about relationships, and one of the speakers said, by loving your wife, you're loving Jesus. And when you don't honor and when you don't love your your, your wife, you're doing the same thing to Jesus. You're not honoring, you're not loving Him. It's the same thing. John describes it like this in his first letter. This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if a person has material possessions and he sees a brother or sister in need and that person doesn't care, how can the love of God remain in him? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and reassure our hearts in God's presence. Even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. You can say you know someone or love someone, can't you? You can say it till you're blue in the face. But unless your actions match your words, it doesn't mean anything. God didn't give us leftovers. God gave us his very best in Jesus Christ. God gave us everything in Jesus Christ. And so when we love God, John here is reminding us that if we desire to love God, we have to love others. We have to give our very best. Well, we can give in many ways, and in our, uh, in our church, in the United Methodist Church, we talk about it like this, T G T T G S, which is Time, Talents, Gifts, and Service. And you notice I put money in parentheses because we just say gifts because we don't want to say money. You, you, you all got that? We, we just made up that word gifts because when we talk about money, it makes us uncomfortable. And I, I don't know, I know a lot of Methodist preachers and we get uncomfortable. But that's what it means. It means money. Time, talents, money, service. Talk just about a little bit about what each of those things. God gave us talents, okay? Uh, there's a whole bunch of people here tonight who have a great talent for music. You're going to experience that talent tonight. They're using that gift to honor God. Awesome. It's tax time again. Yay. But there are people who actually give of their time and their talents to help others with their taxes. There's all kinds of ministries set up, if you didn't know that, to help you with your taxes for free. People who are gifted in, in the knowledge of the legal system and taxes, they actually give that of themselves to those who can't help it, uh, who can't afford it themselves. It's awesome. We should, we, we should love taxes too. That's, it's a different sermon. God also gave us the ability to, to serve. Uh, for the last few weeks, we've been putting together flood buckets. And we're going to keep those flood buckets here. And, and when, uh, we're, we're not going to keep them here forever, though, are we? Uh, when something bad happens, when there is a flood in our area, we're going to go give those flood buckets to people in need, and hopefully we're going to stay around and help them, use them, Sir. Flood buckets have things just to clean stuff up, to help make their house. I don't know if you've ever been in a flood, but it's awful. It's awful, and there are floods that have just devastated communities. Not too far from where I went to college, Cedar Rapids, we were there just a couple, of year, or just a couple of months after the big flood, and just houses devastated, just bare bones. That's what floods can do, and so we hope we can serve in that way. Now, time is a little harder. Do you make time for other people? (laughs) Do you make time for your spouse, for your children, for yourself? Do you make time for God? We think we're so, so busy all of the time. Oh, I'm so busy. i got so many things going on. Well, that's been no different. 4,000 years ago, if you wanted to take a bath, it took six hours. you wanted to make dinner, it took all day. Now we live in a world where you can make dinner in 30 seconds. Or a half hour if you're really, you know, adventurous. Or you can just go down to the fast food restaurant and get it instantly. Or if you go down to our McDonald's, a little longer than instantly. But, you know, (laughs) we'll keep praying that that happens. Several years ago, I did a study of my own life. And I actually, for an entire month, I kept track of every 15 minutes of my day. Now, the time that I was sleeping was pretty easy to keep track of, but the rest of the time, every 15 minutes, I just wrote, this is what I did. I did that for an entire month. You know what I found out? I wasted a lot of time. I was working full-time, I was going to school full-time, but I wasted a lot of time. And I realized, man, I could spend some of that time Do something else. Do something productive. Maybe honor God. Maybe worship God a little bit. So I encourage you, man, if you think you're too busy, guess what? If you watch TV ever, you're not too busy. I'm serious. If you have a TV and you ever turn it on, you're not too busy. You've got time. If you ever do something and don't do anything else with it, you know, you don't have enough time. You, you can, you know, multitask. It's a great thing. God has made us the ability to do that. You can worship God and drive at the same time. Right? Turn on Caleb. Or Air One. I don't want to be picking favorites. The last one's the hard one, because it's the money one. A couple of weeks ago, we said that the average person on earth that's about 53% of the population, lives on less than $2 a day. Anybody here live on less than $2 a day? If you do, we need to talk because I want to learn from you how you manage that. Compared to even the poorest, compared to those people, even the poorest of us lives in wealth, lives in abundance. I believe that all of the money I have Everything that I have is a gift from God. It's easy for me to do that because I get paid through the church. (laughs) So, I mean, it is. It's a little easier for me to do that. And when I became a pastor, I said, I'm going to give 10% of my gross income because I want gross blessings. Not net blessings. I want gross blessings. So I give 10% of my gross income, and I give that back to the church. I was taught that by my parents, and so I started doing that, and I, I just came closer to God because of it. But I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man, and I'm linear, and I, you know, I just figure once I do something, it's good. And so I taught that. I taught that to my people in Mabel Park, and I said, man, you want to just grow towards that 10%, and your life's going to be blessed. And one of my congregants at the time actually listened to me, and I ended up marrying her a few years later. <clears throat> and one of the wonderful things about marriage is you come together as a partner, and you challenge each other, and you grow Uh, And Jennifer said, you know, I don't think 10% is good enough. I think we should go 12%. So we did. We came here and we started giving 12% of our gross income. Even though when it's all said and done, I'm making less money now than I was. Jennifer actually took a sizable pay cut to come here. We have a house in Maple Park. We have, you know, one car that's almost 20 years old. (laughs) One car that's uh, six or seven years old with close to 150,000 miles on it. Got a lot of student debt, Lord, more than we should. And so it would have been easy to say, okay, let's take that 2% back. And even when we transitioned, it would have been easy to say, okay, God, you know, we were given 12%, but let's just bring it back to 10 Because that's what I was thinking. My wife, being stronger than I am, said, let's give 14%. <laughs> I said, I love you. Because <laughs> I do, because she challenged me. She wants to grow closer to Christ just like I want to grow closer to Christ. And if we can do it, I, any one of you can do it. It's not amazing. We're not, we're not awesome people, we're not better than anybody else. We're just two idiots trying to figure things out, just like everybody else. I I believe God's always there, Todd. Even if we don't see him, even if we don't acknowledge him, I believe God's always right there with us. So I want to challenge all of you. See how you're giving. Look look at your life. Look at that time, talents, gifts, and service. Say, am I giving of myself to God? You know, I said Jennifer and I are giving 14% of our income towards God. That leaves, what, 86% of our income for us? Jesus Christ didn't give me 14% on the cross, all right? God didn't give me 14% in Jesus Christ. So I'm not asking you to do the impossible. I'm asking you to say, how can you show God you love him? You can do it through those things, times, talents, gifts, service. The Old Testament said, give 10% of all your money to God. Jesus said, sell everything you own and follow me. Yeah. It is. It's in our heart, and that's a good transition, Todd, because it all comes down to one word. We were talking about faith, but faith is really all about one word, and that's trust. The number one reason we do not give of ourselves more than we want to is because we really lack faith. And it's not just, a, it's not just believing in God, but it's really, we do not have the faith that God will provide. I have the faith that because I give, God will provide for me. That that 14% is not going to be something that I'm going to need to feed my family or pay the bills. That that the time I give beyond this time, God just blesses that time and God will still give me enough time to be with my family, be with my friends. God will still give me time to love Him. So if I told you, (laughs) sell everything you own, and give it to the poor, what would you say? Well, how, how am I going to feed myself? How am I going to take care of my family? i got responsibilities. It's an issue of trust. It's an issue of faith. <laughs> when Jesus commissioned 70 disciples to go out and proclaim good news, you know what he told them? He said, go out to the neighboring communities. And they said, okay, well, what, what should we bring? You know, should we get a backpack, maybe some food. Take an extra pair of underwear. What what, what do you want? Jesus said, no, take nothing. Go out, proclaim the good news. As long as you're doing that, you're going to be provided for. He was challenging them to trust. And I know this challenges me every day because I wonder, man, how much more can I trust God? How much more can I believe in God? How much more can I do what those heroes of the Bible were all about, which was fully trusting God? their Lord. Noah said, or, or, or God said, Noah build a boat. Noah built that boat. God said, Moses, go talk to your brother. Tell him this ain't right. And he said, okay. Abraham was told, leave everything you have. Kill your only son. He said, okay. That's awesome faith, but it's faith that we can have. I can just tell you a couple stories about trust. I I know how many times Jennifer and I, and I I don't mean to make this a sermon about money, but for us it's really the most real way and the most most trouble we have when it comes to trusting God is with our money, with our pocketbook, with our credit cards. We want to give everything else away, but when it comes to that, we want to keep that ourselves. So I'm sorry, but that's the reality, and we have to live into that. Jennifer and I have made this commitment, and I don't know how many times in the last couple years it's been tough. It's been tough. I, you know, I didn't know we could go grocery shopping for a while or if we would have food on the table for a while. We got a call a couple weeks ago, or I guess a couple months ago now. The house that we own in Maple Park, the rentees, we were renting it, and the rentees called and said, the furnace is out. $3,500. New furnace and air conditioning system. I I didn't have that money. I didn't know where it was going to come. A couple days later, Check for $3,500 came in the mail. Now I could tell you where that came from and how it came from, and you might say, well, that was good planning, that was was coincidence, but I don't believe in that garbage. I believe that I needed something God provided. And I don't think that, you know, if you believe in Jesus Christ that everything's going to be easy. No, things are actually going to be harder sometimes. But with Jesus Christ, you're going to be able to get through it. You're not going to go hungry. You're not going to without and even if you like the martyrs die on a sword there's something a whole lot better waiting for you after so i want to ask us some questions as we end today and we worship god and and i just am so thankful we have a god who who just loves us so much i want you to go home and, and tonight you'll you'll see these questions on the screen i want you to ask yourself first do i really believe that god loves me Do I really believe that God loves me? If you don't believe that, if you can't truly accept that in your heart, how can God love me? I want you to pray that God will show you his love in a real way this week. Can you do that? Am I I by myself today? (laughs) I guess you all know Jesus loves you, so we'll go on to the second one. If, if your answer is yes, if, if you know Jesus loves you, if you know God loves you, I want you to ask yourself, am I responding to God's love by loving others? All right? Amen. A very real way too, Todd, right? Yeah, yeah, very real, yeah. Amen, amen. So, are you responding to God's love by loving others? Think about the ways you're giving your time, talents, gifts, and service. Can you give more? Can you push yourself? Can you challenge yourself to be generous and joyful? Finally, ask yourself: Do I truly trust God? You might need to start your asking: Do I truly trust anyone? That was the biggest wall between my faith, between myself and Jesus Christ, was the fact that I could not trust anyone. period. Yeah, could not trust anyone. I didn't know if I trusted God yeah. Until he saved you. Was yeah? Able to open my eyes. Yeah. Amen. So if you're like Todd and I, and you had that experience where you gave yourself to God and God did save you. I hope you hold on to that trust. But if your actions don't testify to that trust, I'm just going to ask that you pray to help, that you just pray that God helps you. Trust him more. I want you to pray that your fears disappear, that you're overcome with that goodness, that joy, that grace, and God's crazy love for you. Amen? I'm going to ask that uh, Divine Impact comes. We have just special guests here tonight. Divine Impact, a youth and young adult-led praise team. They just have a great ministry, uh, and you all are in a special treat. Uh, It's a beautiful weekend, and so we have some people not here tonight, uh, and they're missing out, uh, because for the next 20 to 30 minutes, we're going to worship God, uh, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. So as we transition, I just want to transition into a time of prayer. Oh, we already prayed for our, our, our sister Jan, but there are other prayer concerns on our hearts. We just want to lift those up to God. Uh, We also want to bring our our offerings to God. Uh, So we will, uh, the ushers will come forward and they will um, uh, pass around baskets. We just thank you for your gifts. Anything that you give is just a blessing to our ministry because we're just starting out. We don't have assets like a lot of other churches uh, because we're not even a year old, not even six months old. Uh, And so that's just a blessing to us and we thank you for that. Um, And so as we do, Let's just wrap our heads around God's love now and just enter a time of prayer. Let's just come before His throne and just lay our hearts right there at the altar. Just bow down with our minds and with ourselves and just focus on that crazy love God has for us. He died for you. He lives for you. We're going to sing a lot about that. I hope you believe it. I ask now that as we pray, as we just lift our hearts up to God, we remember those who are in need. There are so many who are lost, who are alone, who are out there, who don't know of the new life Jesus Christ has in store for them. We want to share that with them. We want to share that with our time and our talents and our gifts and our service, reaching out to them, sharing with them that gospel message. I want to pray for the leaders of this world, the leaders of our nation leaders of this community, the leaders of our churches. I ask that you guide them and help them follow your will so that we can come together. I pray for everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ, who calls themselves Christian. Empower them to truly follow you and show that love that you've given them through their actions. We ask that you be with all of those who serve us. Help us serve them in a very real way today. Most of all, we pray pray for your holy church. Make us truly be one body guided by your will. We pray for new life that you just continue to help us grow, continue to help us share your gospel and free your people. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.